Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we appreciate all that we see you do here at Villas Grace Church. We know that it's not always smooth sailing. And even just to mimic some of the words that we heard this morning in Sunday school, even when things may not be going well, we know that you still have us covered. We know that it is important for us as believers to find joy in the midst of the trials that we will face in life. If it wasn't for the work of Jesus, that joy would not exist. That's the reason why we pray in his name. Amen. What if our present president or any president didn't have protection? Here's our current president coming off of Air Force One. And if you look at the ground, he's clearly protected. There's men and women in uniform from the military. You can see the Secret Service. What if the president didn't have the Secret Service? I mean, let's face some facts here. If the president didn't have the Secret Service, we would be facing another John F. Kennedy situation. And speaking of President Kennedy, even with the protection of the Secret Service, the exposed limousine in Dallas still happened. There was nothing that they could have done to prevent that from happening back in 1963. Let's face it. We live in a world where politicians, we live in a world where educators, entrepreneurs, and religious leaders need security. Even a few years ago, Pastor Jared and I visited a church up in the state of Ohio where the pastor had security following him around. I thought it was a little awkward, personally. I mean, as he's talking to the people in his church, he's got this security guy behind him. Doesn't seem too personal to me. But that's the world in which we live in. Why is this? Why is it that we see so much evil in the world? Why do we see so many mass shootings in this world? What's the root cause of needing such protection? Well, it's really simple. It's our adversary. It's Satan himself. See, he controls this world's system. Brothers and sisters, even Christians need protection. Even though that we know that Jesus defeated Satan... We still need protection, and that is our protection. But though we may face persecution, ultimately we're protected from the evil one who's responsible for this world's demise. We have the certainty of salvation through the person and work of Jesus. And that is one thing that I want to repeat one more time, the end of what I just said, the person and work. And it's so important that we always say the person and work of Jesus because it's not just His work that provides our salvation, but it's also His personhood. It is the fact that He is God Himself. That truth 
that separates us from every other man-made religion. Like I said, me, it's demise. Why? Well, it's because it's under corrupt management. And that brings us to the title of our sermon this morning, which is This World's System. This World's System. Today we're going to be in 1 John, not the Gospel of John. As we stated, we're taking a brief hiatus from the Gospel of John, and we're going to be looking this morning into two verses, just two verses from 1 John. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 5, and then we'll be in 1 John chapter 2. Those two chapters are the chapters that contain the verses in which we're going to be looking at this morning, but today we're taking that break and we're going to look at these scriptures because we want to see that the revealing factor that God has shown us here in 1 John is that this current world is being controlled by the evil one. There is a mastermind behind everything that we see. And so really the encouragement when you leave here today, I want you to leave here taking what you hear from 1 John and then applying it to every bit of news that you see on the news. When network media or wherever it is that you consume your news of what's going on in the world, just apply everything that we're about ready to see here in the text to that. I guarantee that it will change your perspective because that's exactly what God's Word does, isn't it? God changes our perspective. He changes the way in which we look at the world. Christians don't look at the world like non-Christians look at this world. So before we get into this text and read the text, we're going to go ahead and just give you the main idea up front. The one sentence that defines the verses that we're looking at this morning. And our main idea, the overarching theme for everything that we're seeing today is this. Believers are protected from the consequences of this world's evil system. Believers are protected from the consequences of this world's evil system. Now, I think you could get technical honestly, and you could do with this as you will. You could actually get rid of consequences and just put consequence. Believers are protected from the consequence of this world's evil system. But ultimately, we are more protected than what the President of the United States of America could ever dream of being himself. So let's go ahead and look at this text. The first verse that we're looking at this morning is 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. God's Word tells us, We know that we are of God, and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. See, we know that Satan controls this world. He's the one that's actually in control. So first and foremost, fear not. We know that we are of God. Even if Satan controls this world system, we know that we are, as it says right here, of God. We know that we have the Lord's protection. We know that the Lord is our security. With that being said, we Christians should understand something. We should be the ones to understand that this world's system is controlled then by Satan. And he's accomplished this by taking control of these 
four sectors. There are four sectors of the world in which Satan has taken control of. So if you are a note taker, I would write down these four sections. The first section is politics. And I think that should go without saying. I mean, let's just be very simple when we address this one. We legislate without morals. We have legislation in place, and I'm just talking about our country and our country alone, but there is legislation that has been passed. There are laws put into place that have no moralistic compass whatsoever. Now, think about that for a second, because if you just take a casual observation of everything that we see happening in our country right now, what is it that we really truly see? We really see a government who agreed upon a document that they don't even follow. And I'm not even going to go into details to show you specifics because you really don't have to. Things are going on right now, right before our face, that leads us to believe that nobody's playing fair. And when nobody plays fair, it should be pretty obvious to us where they got that from and what system they're actually abiding to. So my encouragement to you is this, and I actually woke up this morning and received a message from somebody that I know through social media, well, know them outside of social media as well, but it's stuff that we see all the time on social media where it was, you know, our country this and take this back and all that stuff. I mean, get out of here with that nonsense because it has nothing to do with that. It doesn't matter what happens to this country. We are arrogant to think that this country is the world's savior. The Lord is going to do what He's going to do whether the United States of America exists as a country or not. And by the way, again... The politics in this country and every other country of the world is controlled by Satan himself. So our job is to know what's going on and see the contrast between what's going on and what the gospel says and then quite simply focus on the gospel. But you can't be an effective administer of the gospel. You can't be effective in your discipleship. You can't be effective in your evangelism if you stick your head in the ground like an ostrich, which actually ostriches really don't do that, but if you did do that like an ostrich is supposed to do and not pay attention to what's going on in the world. The best offense is a good defense, and if you don't know what to be defending the gospel against, then how are you going to be able to share it? But my encouragement to you is don't worry about trying to change the politics in this country. It has been far worse historically than what it is right now and what we see in our country in terms of persecution than what it was many years ago and within many countries around the world today. There are Christians in the world today who are being persecuted beyond measure for their faith in Jesus. And that could very well be coming to our doorstep. In fact, hint, hint, don't want to go into too many details. Everything that you see going on right now, every bit of information that just came out just this last week alone, leading up to the election in 2024, has everything to do with what I just said. 
because you start messing with the laws of the land now, then nobody's going to abide by them. Then it's open season, it's chaos, it's helter-skelter in terms of politics. And you think these politicians want us preaching truth? Because last time I checked, every single country in the world that is ruled by few denies people truth. This truth. We are being ruled by what is called an administrative class in our country. We are moving in a direction where the few rule the majority. And you know what that encourages me in? It encourages me to be better prepared to know what it is that they're doing so I can share this truth more effectively. People have snuck Bibles into China for years and they're very clever in their tactics, but they're able to do it because they know what's going on. Don't know what's going on so you can make change or vote change into effect. Know what's going on so you can share the fact that we are protected from the consequence of sin. Okay, I'm done. I'm off that soapbox. But have that perspective in mind as we go through the rest of what we're going through here in these two verses in 1 John this morning. Now, the second one's economy. The second sector that Satan controls is economy. I mean, he, he controls everything that has to do with athletics, entertainment, health, commerce. We are just bombarded. All of those things make money. And Satan's behind all of it. All of it. He uses man and their greed to put on athletics for us, to, you know, create things in the healthcare industry that we need or were demanded to have. And somebody's making money on the back end on that. Now, they don't realize who they're really working for. And that's another thing we have to keep in mind, too. It isn't like, you know, people who are involved in these types of things for, you know, illicit gain. It isn't like they know that they're actually working for our adversary himself. They're actually just playing along with the world system. The same world system that doesn't follow that piece of paper called the Constitution that, you know, our own legislators don't even follow themselves. Because in life, what do we say? Rules are meant to be what? Broken. Even those who are called to uphold the rules sometimes might just be the ones breaking them themselves. This third one's important, especially everything that we've been hearing going on in the news as well, because indoctrination is a real thing. And where should indoctrination start? I mean, if you really want to be effective in changing culture, whether for good or for bad, where, where should it start? I mean, another expression we use is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So education is an area that Satan controls. Start indoctrinating the children young. I don't know if you've been looking at the public schools or heard anything of what's going on in the public schools, but that is some evil, unmoral indoctrination and confusion and chaos. There's a lot of confusion and chaos, right? Our adversary works well when it comes to that. The fourth area of control for our adversary is religion. 
He's the creator of these false religions that we just mentioned. He's the one that is okay with Islam and Buddhism and Mormonism. He, he, He loves that. He loves the Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, you could just go on down the list. He likes any religion. He loves any religion that denies Jesus as God. Christianity is the only faith that says Jesus is God. And what's he going to do? The Bible tells us he'll take control of the religious systems of the world and then he'll just cast them to the side once his power's consolidated because he'll no longer need them. And then his Antichrist will be the one who will rise up and offer peace. And in the middle of our seven-year tribulation period, he'll go back against the peace in which he's offered the world. And the world's going to buy into it, right? Because everybody's going to want peace. Wait, wait, hold on. Does that not sound familiar to you just on a smaller scale? Just when you go back to politics, what are politicians really good at? See, if you really think about it, if you really look at situations, politicians are really good at creating problems and then being the same people to come up with a solution for the problem in which they created. Satan's doing the same thing, just on a bigger scale. He's going to turn the world into such chaos that there's going to have to be somebody that can offer peace. Yeah, his false Christ is going to be that person. So first, we're going to take a look here biblically at the evidence of his control. And that's what we're doing with this verse right here. So let's start again and go back in again to verse 19 of chapter 5 in 1 John. See, it says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world relies upon those four sectors. The word world here can be defined as such. It can be defined as this. It can be defined as to order, adorn, or put into order. Basically, it means something that's been arranged. Actually, you you could actually say this. It's something that's been arranged harmoniously. So God put the world into order. And within the context of 1 John 5.19, we recognize that the whole world has been arranged in a harmonious order. Or actually, now that Satan's in control, we should say arranged harmoniously in the order of sin, which is actually the chaos and confusion that we see. And we have God's Word, so we can still see the order. We can still live in harmony. We can still live in peace no matter what it is that's going on around us. And we know that all this has been done, all this evil, by none other than Satan himself, which is exactly why verse 19 ends by saying, in the power of the evil one. Now, Satan did not create this world, as I've already alluded to. He's only been allowed to rule this world. Now, I want to stress the word allowed. He's allowed to rule. And evidence of Satan... Controlling and ruling this world can be found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. God's word tells us, Again, the devil took him along to every high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. See, in life it's, it's really simple. You can't give away what you don't have. You have to have something first in order to give it away second. So the question is, why would Satan give away one of his kingdoms or many of his kingdoms to Jesus? Why? Why is he so willing to just give up a kingdom to Jesus? 
I believe this answer is very simple, and I believe this answer has, it's basically twofold, shall I say. So first, I think it's because of time. He's willing to do it because of time. And the second reason is because of condemnation. First, let's address time. Satan knows that his time is limited. He knows that he's not going to be able to keep any of his earthly kingdoms anyway. So why not just give them away? Because at this moment right here in Matthew 4, if Jesus chose to be king in Satan's evil world, then he'd be subject to Satan's evil, limited time only reign or his limited evil empire and it is limited and Jesus would be subject now underneath the same sin in which we are subject under but Jesus again as God himself is eternal he could never settle for such limitation we serve an eternal God who is not bound by time nor space. But this world is controlled by an evil one who is bound by just that, both time and space. And further evidence is actually found in Revelation chapter 12, verse 12. God's word tells us in Revelation 12, For this reason rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great wrath, knowing that he has only a what? Short time. Again, we know that we are of God, therefore it doesn't matter if this world will be destroyed. It doesn't matter if Satan is in control. What matters is our faith in the person and work of Jesus. That's what actually matters. What matters is the subsequent eternity on the new heavens. What matters is our subsequent eternity on the new earth. This world is full of sin. And as we know, sin leads to what? Death. So if Satan's time is limited, and if this world is full of sin, which leads to death, the same is true for the leaders of this world, which is why they seek security and protection. Do you think Vladimir Putin takes a bite into his soup without having somebody else taste it for him first? Do you want to rule a country but have to live like that? That's not freedom. Yeah, it may look like he's controlling a whole country. He has all this wealth. He can tell people what to do, but he's really enslaved to this world system. You can have it all, but still need protection. You're not free because you're afraid. You're scared. You have security because you're afraid and scared. That's what's going on. You're scared of the consequence of sin. You may not call it sin. You may not know it as sin if you're at that level, but that's really what's going on. You're scared of death. As believers, we aren't scared of death. We actually welcome death. And last time I checked, Jesus wasn't scared. Last time I checked, Jesus denied having bodyguards. He could have called down a whole legion of angels to save him from going to the cross. But he didn't. So why would he forfeit Jesus speaking? Why would he forfeit his righteous security? 
for a kingdom that's limited, no matter how well it's going to be protected. I mean, Satan could offer them that for sure. Oh yeah, you can have any of my kingdoms and I will give you the best security you've ever had. Why would he forfeit? The answer is he didn't. And he didn't do it because he couldn't. Because as man and as God, God can never choose against himself. Now this brings us to our second reason, which is condemnation. Again, sin leads to death. Satan knows his fate. And he wants his fate to be your fate. Satan wants his fate to be our fate. And if Jesus doesn't go to the cross as a perfect sacrifice, condemnation would be on all of our heads. Satan was willing to give away his kingdoms within his evil empire because he knows they are actually worthless. He knows they're going to be destroyed. Brothers and sisters, death is something you cannot sell because death is something that comes free. In fact, we were all born into a free death. And when it comes down to it, death is the only thing that Satan has to offer us. That's all he's offering. He's offering us death. Whereas Jesus Himself offers us life and life eternal. And our faith in Him is the protection that we're actually talking about right here in the text. And this brings us to our first point. Our adversary's reign is limited to what's already declared dead. Our adversary's reign is limited to what's already declared dead. Again, our main idea this morning states this. Believers are protected from the consequences of this world's evil system. Now let's take a look at Satan's method. We've talked about his control. We broke that into two separate categories, but let's look at his method. How is it that he actually keeps this going? How is it that he employs what it is that he does? We go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, where God's Word tells us this. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Another great reminder when you see this going on, especially with you know, our politics ramping up over the next year in our country, just remember 1 John 2.16. True to form, Satan's method is supported by what? It's supported by a lie. And this lie is very simplistic. In fact, this lie that he is peddling to everybody else in the world, everybody else who's buying into his lie, is actually hiding in plain sight. It is very easy for us as believers to see. See, the lie told by Satan is that you can actually blame him. He doesn't care. You hear people say this all the time, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. They'll say, not today, Satan. What, what, as in like, today's Satan, and I'm going to blame you for my sin anyway? He doesn't even care if you blame him. He's already been condemned. You can blame him all you want. Satan's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once. Satan is not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. So stop giving him more credit than what he actually deserves. I don't even know why we give him any credit whatsoever. He's not as concerned with us as he was concerned with Adam and even the garden. Because at the end of the day, that's all he had to take care of. He takes care of Adam and Eve, the first two humans, then the rest of humanity has been taken care of. Now he can just sit back 
and watch the destruction unfold. He's not that powerful. I mean, it's ridiculous that we give him more credit than what he actually deserves. Until he would ever, which would never happen, outrank the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he can't do anything. He's only able to do what God is allowing him to do for this limited time only. When was the last time then, you know, for some of these people who believe this is true, when was the last time that Satan spoke to you like he did Eve in the garden? Never. He's never spoken to any one of us like he has Eve in the garden. See, Adam and Eve already passed the sin seed on to us. So with that being said, allow me just to ask a few questions here and as they pertain to our verse. Where's the lust of the flesh come from? Where's the lust of the eyes? Where, where, where does that come from? Where does the boastful pride of life come from? Oh, it's right here in our verse. The world. It comes from this world system. And how did they get into the world? Well, like we've already stated, through Adam and Eve in the garden. So for our, the remainder of our time, I just want to focus, and I'm going to be referencing, these verses won't be on the screen, but I'm going to be referencing Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. I just want to go back to the account in the garden with Satan to Eve and then subsequently Adam here. But Satan asked Eve this question. He says, has God really said you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? See, this is where he introduces doubt into God's word. He wanted Eve to doubt what God had said. Now, remember, our adversary's reign is limited to what's already dead to begin with. So he's the one that's restricted humanity to sin. He's the one that does all the restricting. Anybody who doesn't have faith in Jesus is restricted to an eventual death. He's the one who has us in bondage to sin, not God. It isn't God's doing. It is the temptation by Satan and Eve's willingness to partake. However, he's spinning this account to Eve, making it sound like God is actually the one who's restrictive. Did God actually say you can't do that? He's basically saying like, why would you listen to this guy? He's saying you can't do this, you can't do that. And we know from the gospel that that's clearly not true. Because again, Christianity is the only faith in the world that says it is completely based upon God and His work. It's your faith in what He has done. Every other religion says, well, you have to do this. Well, you can't do that. And you must do this in order to please the deity. I mean, even ancient civilizations used to sacrifice children to whatever God it is that they wanted to please. This is not new stuff because this world system started, as you can see here in the garden. So Eve responds to Satan saying, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. True to Satan's method, he spins it. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. Then he doubles down and says this. He says, for God knows that on that day you eat from it and your eyes will be opened. And you will become like God, knowing good and evil. 
So Eve, in the midst of this temptation, what does it say? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, now keep that in mind as well, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, that's another one you should keep in mind, she took some of its fruit and ate. And there you have it, everything we see right here, not only in Genesis 3, but also in our verse, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It's all right here. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to call Joe up as we close out this morning. But Adam and Eve were in the garden, and when they were in the garden, they had everything that they needed. There was no Yet she bought into a lie, the lie from Satan that said that God was restricting her. You know, it may seem like you have everything, but you don't quite have everything, everything. There's this one extra little something that God is holding back from you. She began to believe that God was withholding additional satisfaction from her, which is why it said she saw that the tree was good for food. Again, they had everything they needed. They had all the food they could ever want, yet it wasn't enough. In fact, due to our sinfulness, it's never enough because it's never too much. Which is the same as the lust of the flesh. She was seduced by the tree's beauty. Her eyes got her and the rest of humanity into trouble. The rest of the garden's beauty wasn't enough for her. This is the lust of the eyes that we see. As if these two weren't enough, she was convinced that the tree would make her wise like God. All that God had provided up until this point wasn't enough. She still needed just a little bit more knowledge. Just like we constantly search for more information. I mean, that's where we're at too. We're always looking things up with our mobile devices searching for just more, just more. This is the boastful pride of life. Brothers and sisters, this is this world's system. Therefore, there's only one application question I think that's necessary to be asked this morning. I'd like to ask you this question. I've been asking myself this question throughout the week. See, we have a choice. We, we really truly have a choice. And with that being said, which of these three lusts of the world system do you struggle with? When we see the four sectors that Satan controls and we see these three different lusts that actually cover all four of those sectors, which is it that we're struggling with? What is it that you struggle with? I'm asking myself, I'm struggling. These are fair questions. Even though we're believers, even though we're saved, even though we're protected, we will receive eternal salvation because of our faith in Jesus. We're still living in this world. We're still living underneath this system. We can either be like Adam and Eve and seek the protection offered by this world, just like our politicians seek the protection offered by this world, or we can accept the protection offered by God through believing and receiving faith in the person and work of Jesus. And this brings us to our second point and final point this morning. 
The eyes, flesh and pride, are receptors of evil. Our eyes, our flesh, our pride are receptors of evil. Again, our first point this morning stated that our adversary's reign is limited to what's already declared dead. And finally, our main idea that summed everything up this morning stated this. Believers are protected from the consequences of this world's evil system. So as we move forward, as you pay attention to what's going on in the world, just know you are watching bad actors act out in a system that's evil. Know what they're doing so you can be better informed on how to share the gospel with others. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for our world leaders. We pray that we are better positioned from the decisions that we make to be subject to them, to respect their authority. But Lord, I pray that you help us to understand what it is that is going on so we can be better stewards of your word. So we can disciple better, so we can share the gospel better, so others can come to a saving faith in you, so you can use us to build your kingdom, the kingdom that lasts forever. Not this world that is perishing and fading away. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.